Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I was an assistant director in Hollywood for the better part of eight years, and now I'm not. This is the first episode of season five. My original plan, falling on the heels of our Oscar series in season four, was to do another theme set of episodes, this time around the property department. But like everyone else on the planet, those plans have been somewhat disrupted by COVID-19. The props episodes are queued up, and I'll be releasing them over the next few months. But interspersed between those episodes will be some topical discussions about how COVID-19 has affected the entertainment industry, particularly from the below-the-line perspective. This is one of those episodes, and with that in mind, my guests today are all crew members that were working on shows that were shut down in response to coronavirus concerns. Allison Che Brown, you're a set customer, formerly of New York and now based in LA. Welcome back to Below the Line. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. Also joining us again is Dan Fisher, who works props and set deck in New York City. Dan, nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. Thank you for inviting me. Once again, glad you're here. And in our final chair today, Katie Carroll, first assistant director and also a regular guest of the show. Welcome. And also Fred, who is joining us, my cat. And we'll see. Well, I know Fred might have opinions about this as well, but we'll get back <laughs> to that. Let's start by talking about each of your individual circumstances in regards to the shutdown. Allison, tell us what you were working on and how it came about. Well, um, I'm currently working on a sitcom and um, we, were, we were rolling up until Friday and there was an announcement that basically all production was gonna be halted for a couple of weeks. And, um, and then after that, it's kind of undecided. I mean, overall, I think, I think people were relieved because we work in such close proximity. Everybody, like we're touching people and I work in costumes. So um, there are no real boundaries in terms of like people. Like there's no way we're staying like six feet away from each other. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's a little unnerving because um, a lot of my friends and other departments and other productions and other networks have also shut down since Friday and a lot of people aren't getting paid. So it's a good thing, but it's also um, a little nerve wracking. Yeah, let's come back to some of those themes in more detail. Dan, tell us about what happened in New York. Well, I can first start with what happened on the show I'm, I'm working on, uh, which is an Apple television show that I've been working on since last uh, August. And it's, it's a pretty epic scale production that, uh, among other things, requires uh, location filming in Japan, England and Morocco. So uh, the first sign of, uh, of the response to the virus on our production was uh, that our Japanese unit was shut down. And then the dominoes started to fall from there. Uh, in terms of New York, uh, everything is shut down at the moment, uh, the day that I'm saying this, uh, 17th. And we are all on temporary uh, hiatus. Uh, the first one that I knew of to go to to to, to announce the shutdown was uh, Law and Order SVU, and when that came out, we all I think felt like, well, that's the first again domino, and and everything else is going to follow, and it it really did in short order. By Friday of last week, we we were given the official announcement uh, that we are on temporary hiatus for two weeks as of yesterday, Monday the sixteenth and we'll take it from there. Um, core crew on my show is being paid eight hour days uh, until further notice. And I do know uh, that some other shows have been doing the same and sometimes even kit rentals 
although I do have a friend on a, on a network show who is core crew and is not being paid at all. We'll talk more about the larger implications as well. But uh, first, speaking of uh, overseas shooting, Katie, you were actually in Mexico when things started to develop. Uh, yeah, we're on another Apple TV show in Mexico. We're shooting all over, so we're a bit of a road show. So we're traveling quite a bit. Um, and I was in prep in Mexico City, and uh, we started to get word, oh, you know, some U.S. shows are starting to shut down, okay, and we started to consider it. Uh, and the big thing was on the shooting episode, the DP got sick for one day, and that started to really worry everyone. And then the director got sick, and everyone started really getting worried. Of course, the DP was back the next day, not feeling 100%, but already feeling better, like, okay, this is not COVID, but we're clearly in close proximity. And so suddenly, if even if you're not going to get the coronavirus, you could get sick, in which case you're now immunocompromised. And Mexico was really not at this point doing any kind of safety issues at all. We still had uh, at Crafty Open Containers where you're supposed to use a scoop, but not everybody does. It's started to really get worrisome. And I think on Friday in prep, I did upwards of seven different schedules of seven different options. What if we did this? What if we did this? What if we finished this episode? What if we did this? I'm like, I'm in prep. I know we're not going to shoot, but you're paying me for the day. I'll sit in an office and work on a different schedule. And then Saturday morning at home, I get the text from the producer. Never mind. We're shutting down. Okay. You're on a plane tomorrow. Copy that. And we all shut down. Suddenly I'm bumping into people in the apartment building who are getting paid on Sunday to go pack up their trailer with no notice whatsoever. And, you know, they're saying two weeks, maybe three, but nobody really knows, especially since for us, it might be, I mean, who knows, but it might be two to three weeks for the States. But if Mexico is three weeks behind the States, then it could be six weeks for us. And, and if there's still border issues, even if everything's fine, they may not let us Americans into Mexico to go back up to shooting. And we've then got to reprep everything and start over. So I have no idea at this point. No clue. None of us do. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the over, overlying theme is, mm-hmm. is, is living with uncertainty. And we're already in a very uncertain business in general. We've been very fortunate the past X number of years to have a steady stream, you know, because of streaming, to have a yeah. steady flow of production. Uh, and, and so we're not used to this uh, sudden interruption of work and the uncertainty that we might not work for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, uh, Katie, before we move too far, you're back in Los Angeles now than at your home. You, yes, you travel uh, I was on a flight on Sunday and spent all day yesterday on my couch. And I've been gone for about a year and a half on two different shows. So the only one happy about this is my cat, Fred, who I mentioned earlier, <laughs> who won't leave me alone, but that's okay. Well, let's talk some more about the weeks leading up to it. Allison, you alluded to it um, when you were talking about your production, about some of the concerns that folks started to have up front. But uh, any of you that want to run with that, tell me more about the weeks leading up. Well, I'll mention we got, you know, safety briefings from the studio and memos like, hey, make sure we tell the crew this and make sure we tell the crew that. And like I said, I was in prep. So it wasn't something that I necessarily had to immediately deal with. It was the shooting first AD who was that part of his morning safety meeting was, hey, guys, make sure you wash your hands. Uh, Craft service, stop with the open containers. Uh, 
suddenly our office had a whole lot more hand sanitizers around. As a joke, I put out a photo from our office supply cabinet, which had two rolls of toilet paper and three bottles of Jose Cuervo because mm-hmm. surrounded by paper clips, binder clips, highlighters, etc. But honestly, it was, you know, the standard studio fair form letter of we have to protect the crew. So this is what we do. And it's announcements. I don't know how announcements do anything except remind people. And honestly, then it's just us reminding people, this is what you need to do. And the big thing is in Mexico, you greet everyone every single morning with a kiss on the cheek. It's not even like a handshake. It's like, so every morning I'm kissing seven different people on the cheek as a good morning because that's their greeting. Like suddenly it was like, I'm very aware of how many people I'm kissing on the cheek right now. Like, and that's, that's in prep. That's not even on the set when I go in and every single good morning, good morning, good morning. It's like, it's, it became very aware for the Americans how much of a touch culture Mexico is. And suddenly we all became very aware of everything else that's happening in the world. So yeah, it was just a matter of time before we shut down. It was figuring out how, like we knew what was going to happen, which is a matter of the studio realizing it's going to happen. You can pull the plug now with a couple of days of planning, or you can do it at the last minute and pay more people and prep when you finally come back. But we all know it's going to happen. Well, and cultural differences aside, it's like Allison said, that's uh Costume folks have to handle the wardrobe and put their hands on people getting it set. The sound folks are miking people all the time. The props are handing things back and forth throughout the day. It's a mm-hmm. constant touch. It's a- Makeup is within a foot of their face for 45 minutes straight while they're breathing on each other. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely noticed it, like, I'd say a week and two before the shutdown because I was even in like fittings and normally you just like introduce yourself and then you hand, you you know, you shake their hand. And I had one actor just look at me and he goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I'm not going to shake your hand. And he goes, "Um, I just think he's like, right. Like we're not doing that anymore. And I just, I kind of took a step back and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like he's right. Like our culture is changing very rapidly. I shouldn't even offer my hand. And um, you know, we just kind of like waved and, I touched him as little as possible in the fitting as, you know, and, and currently I'm a key customer on my show, so I'm not on set as much, but my set girls were even just saying like, oh, I was tying someone's tie and he was breathing on my hands. And she, she was, I had to ask him to please turn your face because she's like, I can't have you breathing on me. And slowly but surely our craft services just started taking things away from the masses. And you know, eventually we couldn't serve ourselves anything. And then we had more people coming in with gloves. Um, you know, like they even, to the extent that you couldn't even take a napkin or a utensil, anything you wanted, you had to say what you wanted and they would go and get it for you. I mean, to the point where I was just like, I'm not going to like, I'm going to have to bring my own condiments. Like I can't have a line of people and me asking for ketchup. I just felt so horrible, you know, and it, it even made me just kind of stop eating in the end. I know some of my crew members were like, we're not even going to eat. I'm not even going to go in there, do the lines and do to just like, I don't want, if, if it's all the people going in the, the craft services room or the lunch lines, it's like, that's your, it's like more gatherings than you even want. So people just kind of stopped eating in the last week that we were shooting. And once that happened, I kind of was like, we're going to get shut down. And then by Friday we did and they, they made announcements and actually like some of our more exact people above the line got sick. And then once they got sick, I was like, 
we're getting shut down in a heartbeat. And then like literally an hour later, they shut us down. So it was kind of like inevitable. Well, Katie alluded to something too uh, that I'd like to comment on, which is the production, overall production response to this. And, you know, those of us who are below the line, I think it's, it's natural and it's earned for us to be a bit suspicious uh, when production responds to anything that's a real life situation, that they're going to be looking for the bottom line and, oh, it's going to be, it, you know, they're not going to call something or other off until number one on the call sheet or the director, somebody above the line uh, gets it because those of us who are below the line, it, we can be replaced with a phone call. But all of those cynicisms expressed, I do have to say, I think for my production and in general, you know, again, my particular show is, is an epic show. Um, even in New York, we, we had one night that we were scheduled to have 300 background extras. Um, we are dealing, uh, I don't want to give away content to the show, but we're dealing in the show itself with a situation that is not in some ways dissimilar from a pandemic. Um, it, is a, it, it is a thing where, where it's a national emergency and people are responding to a national emergency on our show. So it involves a lot of different locations and, and again, hundreds of extras in some scenes. And so I, I sympathize thoroughly with anybody, with, 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 uh, with Katie and with uh, anybody above the line who production managers, uh, producers, studio, you know, studio executives that have to decide when do I stop the, the fast moving train? When do I pull that switch? Because when you do that, you, I, I believe, really truly believe that, that, that a great many of those producers are very empathetic people. And they, they do have to look at the above the, uh, you know, the costs, the overall costs, and the fact that some, some schedules have already been put in place where we're gonna release this on a certain day. Well, not anymore, now we have a hole in our schedule. Um, but also the, the empathy that when we make that decision, suddenly we've put anywhere from 100 to I don't know how many hundred out of work. And they really do care about that. I, I know this for a fact. I, I don't mean to hog this too long, but I had a health situation uh, years ago. Uh, I worked on the Americans and, and had to leave it for a health reason at the end of 2017, about three or four episodes before the series ended, which broke my heart. And that particular show and those particular producers looked out for me. They kept me on the payroll, even though I was not physically able to come in. And that had a very strong effect on my impression of production and production managers and the people that hand out the money. And certainly in my case right now with Apple, and who knows how long it'll last, I'm very impressed uh, uh, with the fact that, that their first response when they said, when that letter came out that we all got, you know, that, that there will be a, at least some of us got this letter, not everybody on the crew, but those of us on the core crew would be getting eight hour days. And that, that is very meaningful. And, and I know that somebody had to push for that. That doesn't come easily. I will say a big part of our discussion as I was going through the seven schedules was if we shut down now, the Mexican crew of which just the way Mexico works it's 200 people on set and maybe 20 Americans. And the 20 Americans for the most part are heads of departments. So they're covered. They're not the ones who are making their insurance by going out and day playing. They're the ones who, they get a show for six months and then take four months off. They get a show for eight months. They're, 
they're not necessarily going to not make insurance because they didn't work these eight hours. The Mexican crew, besides the fact that they're earning so much less money, are working hour to hour, minute to minute. And it, there, that was part of the conversation. Like if we, if we can go for just one more week, we can give this crew one more week of wages because they knew they cannot keep every single person on. It's just not realistic. And for the company then to stay in business, if we shut down for, I mean, they keep saying two, but they know in the back of their mind, it could be six weeks. If they shut down for that much and they're keeping all of these people on, and our Mexican production company is also running two to three other Mexican shows that had also shut down, like then you're, this one company is supporting, you know, 10% of the Mexican city population. This is not, you know, it's Apple, it's that's the network, but the Mexico production company is not like a Warner Brothers. They're not a billion dollar company. They can't afford that. So that was part of the conversation. Like, well, at what point are we endangering the crew's lives by going for another week? At what point are we endangering the crew's live livelihood by not going another week? I mean, it was all part of the conversation. And very early on, about a week before we truly shut down, there were a lot of emails of like, hey, if you don't feel comfortable, don't worry. If you need a sick day, don't worry. We'll cover you for a day. Go home. Stay home if you're not well. If you don't feel comfortable, stay home. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the on-the-ground producers, I mean, I like to think the studio and network have this con thought process, but I don't actually talk to them. And as a big giant corporation, it's hard to really see that. But the on the ground producers, the ones who are there every single day, 100% actually care about the crew and really want to do what's best for the crew. But you never know what's truly best until later. Like you can, you have seven different options and you're trying to decide which option is best and you're never going to know because what's best for one person may not be best for everybody. And so you're just trying to do what's best for the most amount of people. And obviously what's, what's occurring right now is not unique to our, mm. our industry. It's, it's not a writer's strike. It's not a producer's strike. It's everything is shutting down in New York. All restaurants and bars are now shut down. Uh, you know, thank goodness for now, there's still grocery stores doing, you know, really heroic work if you think about it. Yes. They're serving a, a, an angry, anxious public uh, with, with what they need. But, uh, you know, when, when there was the last writer's strike and we were off for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or something like that, at that time, I actually picked up a little spare change here and there by doing uh, tasks for my friends. I, I, I uh, friends or, or, or their wives or, or, or friends of my wife, friends of my wife, I should say, um, hanging photos and, and putting in shelving. I built a tree house one time for a couple of hundred bucks for somebody, but we can't do that now. We have to socially isolate and we're all part of a, a much larger system than even quote unquote Hollywood, where we're part of a national pandemic and we're all reacting to this. Mm -hmm. We're luckier than a lot of people. You know, I've got a union that's looked out for me big time. I've got hours banked in my health insurance, which is a fantastic health insurance program. I'm lucky. So you're not going to hear a lot of complaining from me in general about the situation. I don't mean to gloat, but I'm, I know I'm lucky. Yeah, well, it is possible that some of these productions, not necessarily the three that, that you guys are representing, but some productions will never start back up. Like they won't be able to, whether it's funding or timing or other kind of issues could could cause all kinds of problems that a show that misses its window is done. 
I mean, obviously there's a pandemic and things need to shut down and if you can't gather in groups as, a, as in most major cities, as it's turning out, um, it's not possible to film, but the long-term implication is not just a pause on some of these productions. Some of these jobs will go away. Yeah. What I'm actually curious about, and who, again, it's all a giant, who knows, but we had a hard out for our show because our number one was booked onto another show that was supposed to start. And they, they had already, that other show had already pushed two weeks to give us two more weeks to finish. So when we're shut down, I know that other show, which was in prep has shut down, but if they were in prep, theoretically, when they start up again, they can start up more quickly than we can because it's going to take longer. So if they say, Hey, we have this, contract with your number one this show the show that i'm on might not start again until he's done which means it could not start until august or september in which case it also could be a whole new crew because theoretically if and when we can all go back to work if something calls me and the show that i was on can't start again until august i'm like love you guys gotta go and so yeah it's entirely possible that this show doesn't start up until August, September. It's also entirely possible that come August, September, they need to start again from scratch because of the amount of prep they need. And then based on that, mm. they don't start shooting until November, but November in Mexico looks very different and there might be weather issues. There could be, I mean, there's so many what ifs that are happening that one of the what ifs of the show that I was on is that it never finishes. And we were halfway through episode five. So if it never finishes, it never sees the light of day. Okay, we'll see. Well, on a perhaps a lighter note, how are you guys planning to spin this uh, unexpected staycation? Well, I just booked, literally uh, as we're logging on here, um, I have elective oral surgery that I've been putting off. And I'm like, that's about a week of recovery. And I just thought, <laughs> I'm like, are you still open? Like, yeah, because everything they do is elective. And they have, you know, I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going to lie on my couch, I might as well lie on my couch with a swollen face and just watch Netflix that way and get that done and out of the way. So there's that. It is the bane of the film existence that you have to fit in your medical procedures and, uh, <laughs> and catching up on the things you don't do when you're working because of the long exactly. hour. Okay. Well, that'll take care of you, Katie. Mm -hmm. Allison, what about you? I was just going to say that I'm trying to actually honor the 15 day like self quarantine. Um, but also just because my job is so physical, I'm trying to definitely still make time to like go outside, run, see the sunlight. Um, Cause I know that whenever I do have a hiatus and I'm not too physical, going back into like, you know, your 12, 14, 16, crazy hour a day and lifting stuff all day and running up and down stairs. It's not easy when you have been laying on your couch the whole time. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, your job is much harder than the AD job, Allison. <laughs> we all know that. Uh, yeah, ADs just have to learn to stand around. So that's uh, totally to, makes sense. We have to toughen up our hands to not get paper cuts. <laughs> no, you guys stand the whole time. Dan, what about you? <laughs> well, in, in my case, um, you know, I alluded to a health issue. It was a heart transplant that I had a year and a half ago. And when I underwent that transplant, I had to take about five months off before returning to work. And in that time... Uh, I did what I've been intending to do for all of my life, which is I wrote the first draft of a novel. And um, then I went back to work and continued, started to do the second work on the second draft, but work takes a lot out of me. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more tired than I used to be because of this situation. Um, but I did manage to uh, 
to put in at least one day a week while I was working toward that. But right now I've got essentially seven days a week whenever I want. And I, I have been grinding through it a bit more thoroughly than I have been for the past six months. So that's good. And I would just also like to say too, to, to again, think about people who are not us. Um, my particular situation, because of the heart surgery, uh, I have somebody else's heart in my body. I take a daily, uh, a, a large daily amount of immunosuppressants. Hmm. And so that makes me vulnerable more than the average person to any kind of virus, corona, uh, flu, anything. And so, you know, the national response has slowly evolved, I think, into more or less, you know, there's still people denying it. There's still people calling it a hoax. But I think that, that there is now, it is now starting to dawn on people that this is a collective issue, that this is a population issue, and that it's not just about you and how it's affecting you. It's, you know, my actions affect everybody else's actions. If I come into work sick, if there were even a job, if I were to come in not feeling well, but needing that eight hours of pay, because if I don't show up, I don't get paid, I'm endangering others who might be in compromised situations whether they're a senior or whether they're, you know, you know, uh, have immunity issues for whatever their reason is. Sometimes it's inherent. So I, I hope that it's, it's, it's led to, it, at least for now, a temporary consciousness of that we're not in this alone. We do have to look out for one another and help each other. And so I'm trying to be mindful of that and, and, and do what I can to, to be a part of that. Agreed, Dan. And thank you. And, and I think uh, it'll be very interesting to see um, how folks absorb that lesson over the, the, the course of this pandemic. Well, look, it's not dissimilar to, uh, to my feelings of what happened after September 11th. Mm. There's, a, there's a general sense of helpless, helplessness to it all. I mean, I lived mm. two miles at that time. I lived two miles from the World Trade Center. And for the next two weeks, at least in the city, there was a feeling of, well, what do we do? Like, there's only so much you can do. I'd love to go down there and start digging out, but they won't let me. They don't want me down there. So in the meantime, I'm, I'm hanging out, trying to find purposeful things to, to get through each day. And, and there, there are, and I think will continue to be purposeful things we can all do. I'm sure there's going to be uh, nonprofits popping up left and right to help all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. And that's tough to do because... We're all in this. So it's like, yeah, I'd love to send 50 bucks. Am I going to need that 50 bucks in six weeks? I don't know. None of us know anything. This is all unprecedented. And we're all just uh, making it up as we go along, including productions, including ADs, including, you know, anybody that, that works or lives. We're all doing this. One little small ray of hope that I read that because we spend so much time on social media right now because there's nothing else to do I'm on Twitter and Facebook all day long that somebody posted like, hey, when we're just doing this to ourselves and down and we have nothing to do besides working from home for those who can, we watch TV, we watch movies, we read books, we listen to music, we listen to podcasts. It's like when you have nothing to do or when you have free time or when you're desperate, you turn to the arts. So I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool that I get to be a part of something that people are going to to make themselves feel better right now. That when all is said and done, people are like, oh, that show that you worked on, that's making me laugh while I'm sitting at home all day long. Uh, they're texting me or you know that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I don't know, it's one small ray of hope in the downpour that is 
happening right now, <laughs> literally well, I, and figuratively. Well, I do think it'll be interesting to look back and say pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19 on shows, because I know when my wife and I were sitting down watching a little TV, every time somebody opens a door and goes in and hugs somebody, or they have a big gathering of people, we're going, no, no, stop, yes. stop, stop touching each other, stop touching each other, um, before these are any concerns. It'll be interesting to see if um, how that gets absorbed into some of our uh, future behavior long term. Right. Well, I, I actually think that this could have an overall cultural impact mm -hmm. uh, once, once this is all said and done. And that, you know, there are people working from home uh, in office situations via Skype, et cetera. And of course, you know, there is streaming. Right now we have content for streaming, new content, but uh, four months, five months from now, all those shows that aren't filming aren't going to be available for streaming because they're not done yet. Uh, you know, at the end of the year, all the would-be Oscar-type movies, maybe, maybe there aren't going to be that many because uh, we aren't filming them right now in March, uh, February and March. But, um, but in general, and two, it, it makes me wonder, okay, so people are not going to movie theaters by law, you know, they're shutting down. And streaming is, is becoming more and more the thing. So are we going to just all socially isolate from here on in, in general, like, our, our office is going to go, you know, we don't really need a building. We don't need a, a place to drink your coffee for free. Everybody can do this from here on in. And we don't need movie theaters as much as we thought we did. You know, that, that we can just bring out the product uh, online and people are going to get used to that because they proved they could. I mean, I don't want that. I love seeing movies in theaters, but it's I was going to say, I don't mind if none of you go and I get it to myself for the couple of weeks that the theater is still open, but then uh, that's not going to last forever. So. Mm -hmm. We will have to see how things, uh, how things play out. Well, and we will check back in with you guys. Thanks so much for spending uh, time with us today. Um, be safe out there, guys. Thank you so you much. You too. Thank you. Listeners, please share your feedback. You can send your email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at below the line, one word, dot biz. That's B-I-C. If you're an iTunes user, please rate us. It helps us reach new listeners. And if you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. Finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Wan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Barring new and or startling coronavirus developments, next week we'll kick off the prop series. But over the course of the season, we'll provide occasional updates on the COVID-19 response and the status of entertainment production from the Below the Line perspective. Let us know what you think.